Do you wish that all things wealth and finance were much easier to understand and not presented by a bunch of beige cardigan-wearing geeks? Welcome to the Clever Investor Podcast, where we're dishing up the easiest-to-understand finance program served in bite-sized chunks, so your brain will thank you as your knowledge grows. Hosted by the brilliant Owen Taylor, a multiple award-winning expert with a glorious knack for explaining the complex world of wealth in the simplest of ways. Hey, Clever Investors, and welcome to another show. This week, I want to talk to you about borrowing power and what it actually refers to and a few tips and tricks around improving or fixing up your borrowing power. So borrowing power refers to the amount of money a lender is willing to lend you. And that can be for various different purposes. It can be anything from you buying your investment property to um, maybe buying your own home or even a new car. It can go down as simple as you want to get a sofa and you're going to use the in-store credit facility or something like this. So it's anything around whatever your financial needs are. Now, the borrowing power is going to be determined based on quite a few factors. And the exact process is going to vary depending on the type of loan that you're after and who the lender is. And they're all going to have their specific requirements for the little hoops that you're going to have to jump through. This, again, is one advantage of, especially with property type things, of using a mortgage broker because they're going to take you through the different ins and outs of, of all the different lenders. So here's a few general tips and steps to help improve your borrowing power. Number one is your income and your employment stability. Now, lenders typically want to see that you've got some stability and some regular income to ensure that you're going to be able to meet these loan repayments. That's probably a pretty obvious thing. We've covered this type of stuff before. Now, the higher your income, the more borrowing power you can potentially have. But they're also looking for a steady job history. If you've changed jobs or employers, uh, you know, every year or every couple of months, then that's going to put a little bit of doubt into their mind. And you're going to need to back that up with a story as to why you were only there for three months or six months. So be prepared for that type of stuff when you're actually applying for any type of uh, credit with that. Because those type of things are definitely going to affect your borrowing power. Item number two is your credit score and the history associated with that too. Now we've covered credit scores and everything in previous podcasts, but a good credit score is going to demonstrate your ability to manage credit responsibly. Yes, it's time to be all grown up. Lenders are going to assess your credit history and determine the level of risk that they're going to associate with actually lending to you. So higher credit scores can potentially increase your borrowing capacity. If you've got a bad record of paying money back to people that you owe it to, then why on earth are they going to take a risk? Think about it. If you're lending money to your friends, 
Who do you want to lend it to? You want to lend it to the reliable ones. Now item number three is around your debt to income ratio. So lenders are going to analyze the debt to income ratio, which is really a percentage of what your monthly income that's going towards repaying your debts uh, compared to actually what your stable income source is. So you need to keep account of your uh, what your debts are and this ratio of uh, what you've got coming in from your salary, it could be from your one job or maybe you've got two jobs, um, and what's actually going out, what you have to make payments on. Now there might be some things that you can actually curb back on. So a good example of that is all of your pay TV stuff that you've got now. You know, you might have uh, Netflix and Stan and Foxtel and all of this. So they're things that you don't have to have in your life. You could sort of cut back on some of those for a certain period. Things that you can't avoid is obviously, you know, you've got to pay the rent. Uh, you've got to have grocery bills. Uh, you've got to pay your, uh, for maybe your, uh, your medical insurances and such like this. So they're things that you've got to have and there's other stuff that you can maybe cut back on and that's gonna help with your debt to income ratio, make it look a bit healthier. Now the next item is your assets and liabilities. So your assets are your savings that you've got and also maybe any investments or any property that you've currently got at the moment. Now having these things can definitely improve your borrowing power while if you've got liabilities associated with these items as well, then that is going to reduce your borrowing power because you've got a liability against them. You've got to make those mortgage repayments. You've got to make those car repayments. So certainly if you've ever, if you've ever applied for any type of credit, they ask you to list down what your assets and what your liabilities are. Now the next item is looking at what the loan purpose is and what collateral you're actually offering up against this loan. So the purpose of the loan or whether you have any collateral to secure it with can impact your borrowing power. Collateral provides the lender with a security in case you default on the loan. So the most obvious sort of collateral that we do when we're buying property is we're actually using the property as security there. If you're buying a car, then the whoever's financing that is taking security. They're using the vehicle itself as collateral. And obviously cars depreciate in value, but property tends to appreciate in value. So property is always viewed as a, as a greater sense of security than any asset that then is going to sort of decrease. This is part of the reason why things like personal loans, the interest rate is so much higher because you generally haven't got any asset to secure it with. You might get a personal loan to go on holidays. So it's pretty hard for any lender to secure that money just based purely on you having a great time on your holiday. So hence the reason why the risk is higher um, it's going to be harder if you stopped or defaulted on any payments with that. So the risk is then built in, the risk ratio from the lender's point of view 
is built into the fact that they're going to charge you a higher interest rate on those types of unsecured credit. And the next item is your loan term. So the length of the loan can have a certain amount of influence on your borrowing power. The longer the loan term is going to result in lower monthly minimum repayments. If you shorten those up, then it's going to increase the amount, the minimum amount you've got to make on your loan term. And therefore, that could affect your actual borrowing capacity. Now, over 20 years ago, just over 20 years ago, the medium home loan term was 25 years. If you wanted to extend the home loan term out, so when I would put applications to a lender, if I wanted to extend it out to 30 years, you had to, I had to go on bended knee to the lender and actually give them a real good reason why we wanted to add another five years into the loan term. Nowadays, though, it's round the other way loan terms for mortgages for investment properties or even for owner-occupied properties the standard is 30 years now part of the reason behind that is we're borrowing a lot more now so if we spread the loan term out over a few more years the minimum monthly repayment is lowered right down and if you actually want to shorten the loan loan term nowadays, then you're going to find that your mortgage broker actually has to put a damn good reason to the bank as to why they want you on a 25 or a, or a 20 year loan term, because that's increasing your minimum monthly repayment up. And they've got to do their due diligence and make sure that, yes, you can actually afford to uh, to do that. Now, another item is the loan to value ratio. This is the, the risk ratio that all lenders, especially around properties, homes or investment properties look at. It's often expressed as LVR, loan to value ratio. And for certain types of loans, especially the mortgages, the lender's going to very much consider this loan to value ratio. It's their risk ratio. Now, the lower this loan to value ratio, and you can work this out by quite simply dividing the amount of money that you're borrowing by the value of the property, whether you're buying it now or whether you're refinancing. So the lower the loan to value ratio, the lower the risk, right? And every lender in the land wants to lend you money at the lowest possible risk from their behalf. So the higher the loan to value ratio, the higher the risk. Now, when we're borrowing more than 80% against a property, whether it's for your home or for an investment property, that's considered a higher risk to any lender in the land. And what they will do in the background is they will have a thing called lender's mortgage insurance, which is actually covering them, the lender, in the event that you defaulted on the loan and they had to foreclose on it and sell the property and it didn't sell for enough to actually cover the debt that's owed. The higher the loan to value ratio, generally the higher the interest rate now, the last item is around the specific lenders' policies. So different lenders are going to have varying criteria for assessing your borrowing power. 
So I always encourage people to shop around and the easiest way to shop around for finance is obviously to use your mortgage broker. And uh, even if you're looking actually for car finance or something. So you will find that most mortgage brokers don't just do mortgages. They should actually, we should really refer to them as finance brokers. Um, so even if you're looking for business finance or you're looking for finance for a new vehicle or something, I highly recommend you go and knock on the door of your friendly mortgage broker and get them to do the shopping around. They're going to compare the offerings from multiple different lenders. They're actually going to know how to decipher it for you and make these things fit into your own personal particular financial situation. And they've got to do a lot of paperwork in the background to actually justify what they're doing for you and make sure you understand what you're doing and it's really within your best interest. So to improve your borrowing power, work on maintaining a stable income base, building a good credit history, get your bills paid on time, direct debits and things like that. They're not accepting excuses nowadays as to, oh, I thought I paid that. It doesn't wear lightly nowadays. Manage your debt responsibly and work on trying to accumulate your assets when you can and with what you can always comfortably afford. And as I mentioned before, you might want to consider seeking some great professional financial advice. So a mortgage broker, a finance broker is a great asset to have in your pocket as well. You may not need to consult with a financial advisor, but it's something that you can talk to your mortgage broker about and see whether your particular situation actually warrants that as well. I hope you've enjoyed today's podcast on this uh, subject. If you enjoyed it, hit the like button and tell all your friends. It's a great way of us spreading the word of the Clever Investor podcast. And I'll see you again next week. You have been listening to the Clever Investor podcast, proudly sponsored this week by Blue Wealth Property. Are you ready to start a new investment journey? Get in touch with the industry leaders. Blue Wealth Property. Blue Wealth have a proven track record in using research to identify growth markets. And Blue Wealth have supported thousands of Australians to buy the right property in the right market at the right time. Go to bluewealth.com.au.